0: All right, we want to welcome you all into episode 30 today of Trojan Talk. I'm Zach Tarenko here with Cole Purvis and Jeff Cushberry. How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Great. It has been a while since we've had you with us. We had Isaac Edwards last two weeks, and you were doing our interviews, but now... Uh, you are back, here, which is nice. And we will start off with uh, the hot topic as the DA football team has fallen to under 500 win percentage since the early 2000s. If I'm correct, it was around 2005, 2004. Um, that loss was a tough one. They lost 16 to 10. It was a good game. They played well, but um, just couldn't hold on in the end. Cole, you and I did that game. I know. I think you were there for the first uh, quarter. Jeff, so, so Cole, I want to ask you first, what did you see from T.A. Um, in that game that, that wasn't really good, and and are we? Uh,
1: is this time to be worried now as they're 1-2? I don't think it's time to be worried because New Hampshire, Bedford, they're a very good team, and so is Oxford Hills, and you you played the two best teams you're going to play all year in back-to-back weeks, and it's tough that you couldn't come away with either of those with a W. But I think you look at this team, and it might just potentially be a down year. And even a down year for the TA program is a be- is better than a lot of schools' up years, so that's good. But they don't have the same skill positions as last year. They have Xander Cantera and Carlos Ebeli, who are good receivers, but nothing like what they had last year with Brian and Anthony Jones and Isaiah. Uh, so it might be a down. Th- those guys really make the team go. They Bring exciting plays, those spark plays, um, and they don't really have that as much this year. Uh, The defense has played well, though. The defense has been pretty strong against both Oxford Hills and Bedford, kind of shutting them down when it matters most in the second half. So that's good to see. And also, the offensive line hasn't been great. Hayden Whitney hasn't had a very great last two games after going off against Scarborough in the first game. So the offensive line could be better. They're not running the football well on first and second down. So it's mainly the offense, and we'll see if they keep Ryan O'Keefe in for a 100% of the snaps instead of just alternating drives because it it does seem like they move the ball better when he's in and he's established a connection with Ebley and Kintera. So we'll see how that plays out. But I don't think it's time to panic. They can still very easily win out and go to the state championship. And then you have another shot at Oxford Hills who you were very close to beating. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. First, I mean, it,
2: the last time I remember them being under 500 at all was t- 2013 when they lost the first game of the year against South Portland. Okay. Andrew Libby blew out his knee that day. Um, but three games into the year, it's been a very long time since yep, they were yeah. under 500. Usually, if they lose the first game, they'll win the next couple. So it just says a lot about the program that this is the first time it's happened in such a long time. And this is just such a bizarre year. So, as Cole said, I mean, they lost a lot. Um, Skill Kids aren't as great as they used to be. Uh, the offensive line, I think, is. The biggest problem on the whole team Um, as we saw with the safety you know we had a couple chances on Saturday and the line just couldn't hold up and it's really about consistency you know there's some some drives where the line looks great other times just not Um, so that's something I know coach Tabor's you know they're all working hard on it it's nothing it's not a secret out there um, that they need to fix that just a bizarre year because we're not really gonna know anything more about this team until the state championship I mean really I mean they should run the table the rest of the way Against of Sanford, Scarborough, or I beat Scarborough, Sanford, Skowhegan. They play Kenny Bunk this week. It doesn't look so great. Um, even Bonnie Eagle, they don't look great at all this year as they lost to Scarborough, who he shut out. So, I mean, you really could just easily run the table here. You're not going to learn too much. I mean, the skill kids, it'll be it'll be good for confidence. And then the first round of the playoffs, whoever they play, um, you know, this year there's only six teams to make the playoffs, so they'll get a bye. So, and they'll probably end up playing at Bonnie Eagle again because they'll probably finish number two. Um, so it's gonna it's it's really tough. It's gonna be really difficult to judge what this team is for the next nine weeks, and yeah. that's the, kind of the negative about having your two biggest games at the beginning of the year. Yeah. It's good to have an early test, but usually those early tests, you know, will that will they remember week two and three where they lost when it's November? Now it's gonna be really difficult. So um, yeah, it's 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 it just shows again. It shows the lack of strength in Class A. Whereas if this if this TA team was. 2014 2015 i mean they probably be a 500 team just the way that they played so far and, the, and just the overall on paper talent level um but with with the, basically them and oxford hills being the only decent teams in class a now i mean it's they're still going to work hard to win a state championship and can't take anything for granted but they should honestly waltz to a state championship game yeah. but and then, also, then anything can happen there so uh, but not not time to not time to be worried it's just kind of a kind of a bummer
0: that the two big games had to happen early yeah i mean it's tough and um I think, as you said, there are a lot of chances for TIA to win that game uh, versus Bedford, but they just couldn't hold on. And obviously, it's tough. I know that like last year, um, they had a lot of seniors playing offensive and defensive line, and they even had guys like so like now who are all-time stars, or like guys like Jack Brochu and Matt Kimball, And last year, they were uh, playing like nose tackle, and they were they were uh, almost substitutes for some of the offensive players to get some breaks, and and they're basically on the field the entire game, so mm-hmm. they don't have much break to to stop and stretch their legs or whatever so um, it
1: was tough especially at the end of the game when uh, O'Keefe was under a lot of pressure yeah, but and- this is definitely the low point of the season. Like next week, we'll come back and we'll, we'll be talking about them more positively, hopefully. Yeah. So they'll get better.
2: It was a great, great shout out to JP Bias with a great onside kick, by the way, on the yeah. safety on the oh, safety it's... free kick. I mean, I, and I was talking to Coach Pulsiver, and he said that he does that all in, time, in practice all the time. Like, yep. just has that knack for hitting onside kick. Hopefully, we don't need to use any more onside kicks this year. But <laughs> if we do, then we know it's possible.
0: Yeah, uh, as, as Cole said, and as you said earlier, Jeff. I think it's looking forward to the next few weeks to see TA back in a, a more positive light. Uh, but now we'll talk about some girls soccer who yesterday uh, tied 0-0. Uh, I didn't know that they were allowing draws, but uh, they tied Sanford 0-0 yesterday. But before that, had a four-game uh, win streak and were doing a, ra- a really good job uh, uh, versus their opponents after an early loss to Marshwood. I want to ask just quick thoughts for you guys. You know, this is a really good uh, girls soccer team. Uh, Class A's definitely uh, got a little bit, uh, less competitive last year as, as some of the teams who were uh, in the state championship uh, level, like Scarborough and Wyndham, both lost a lot of seniors. Uh, do you think that the girls' soccer team has a good chance at a state title this year? Um, I'm still saying to be determined. I was just
2: pulling up a standings here and just seeing who Thorn Academy's beat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just going to be difficult. I mean, the thing is with TAs, we saw last, heard last week from a couple of the captains there, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and um, if you look, it's very top heavy. So you look at um, Thornton Academy right now is fifth at four and one, but mm-hmm. they're, they're in fifth place at four and one because ahead of them are Sanford at four and one. Marshwood, Scarborough, and Gorm are all undefeated. Yep. Now those teams haven't played each other, so things could change. Um, but I think you're really seeing the haves and the have-nots because you look at the bottom. It's like 0 and 6, 1 and 4, 1 and 5, 1 and 5, 1 and 4, 1 and 4, 2 and 4. So the Class A teams are, you know, there have been a lot of top versus bottom matchups, and, yep. and I don't think Class A has done that great against the B teams that they've crossed over with. Um. So, I'm it's still too, 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 way too early for that. Now, are they going to be a playoff team? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty safe to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've had to move so many players around. Uh, that they, it's, it's really difficult to say. If you look at Thornton Academy's upcoming schedule, and they play Falmouth, they play Wyndham, they play Westbrook and Scarborough. I mean, those four games, if they come out and they win three out of four of those games, all those games are on the road. By the way, they don't play another home game until October eighth. Um, then. Then really, I mean, look at their last three or four games have been at home, so they've had a, a pretty favorable home schedule, and they've played the likes of Biddeford, Bonnie Eagle, um, and Kenny Bunk, who are all either winless or only one win, so I say Kasha optimism, you know, and I think Coach Charlotte would probably say the same thing, it's like, yeah, you want to be 4-1, 4-1-1, one. One one, I guess is what, what they are, um, but, you know, state championship talk is a little
1: early for that. Colleen, any thoughts? Yeah, I think they have a good young team, and hopefully they can keep riding this wave. But I don't know. It Sounds like Class A is pretty strong at the top, so I think a state championship might be a little bit out of reach. But we'll see. They definitely seem to play well so far, early in the season. It's good they're scoring goals. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. It's like if you're if you're only beating these poor teams one
2: nothing, two nothing, or two one or something, that it doesn't bode well. Because you know that that's been the problem, I think, for TA in the past is especially some of those games against Wyndham back in the mid 2010s when they were always going to regionals or, or yeah you know, regional finals just getting that getting that those big goals in the big games and if they can get some confidence early then uh you know and Sarah Rich obviously is a big part of that too yep. and she scored some good ones this year
0: yeah, definitely, and, and looking at the boys soccer team, it's, it's pretty similar. Uh, they lost their first two games of season to Marshwood and South Portland, and then have had four straight wins. Uh, one of the the stats that I was seeing, because I've I've kept track of the goals and and who's scoring the games, uh, fourteen of TA's nineteen goals in their first six game have six games have come from. Um, international players uh, on the team, uh, specifically Vasco Molero, Joao Pavai, and um, Lorenzo Vitti. I just want to ask real quick, um, do you think that the international players are the, I, would, I wouldn't say the, maybe not the backbone, but we'll call it that for now, the backbone of this team? You know, there's, a, there's guys like Jeremiah Gomez and, and, and Harris Doddard, you know, obviously good players, but is the international kids who come and play on this team the backbone of, of this program? Um, I can't, you can't say the backbone. Um, I would say
2: it's so difficult because, you know, of all the international students that we have, you know, boys soccer and boys tennis are the two that have the most. And it's just such a different, you can't really compare the two because boys tennis is a, it's a team sport, but it's also a solo sport. I mean, you're playing by yourself. Whereas soccer, it's so important to integrate everybody. I mean, no, they're not the backbone, but the amount of playing time that they get every year, um, just shows how quality some of the players are. Yep. And... It's very difficult because I know a lot of the dorm students, you know, it's, it's, so I have a different perspective and I understand, you know, where they're coming from I know there's a lot of turnover, you know, there's maybe 15 or 20 boys that actually try out. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the year, there's maybe only eight or 10 that are playing, uh, whether it's JV or, or or varsity. No, I think, I think if you talk to coach Carlson and anybody else, the backbone has to be the guys who've been in the program for a long time. And I understand it's a really difficult balance of, wanting to put the best players on the team on the field the best team yep and also rewarding the guys who have played for you for a long time because you know they i would say though a boys soccer there have been some players in the past who you've seen them go, go to other sports for yep. a variety of reasons not just for one reason you know they've gone to play football they've gone to just do full-time you know full-time basketball or full-time lacrosse or whatever um so it's a it's a really difficult balancing act for Coach Carlson. I totally understand that. But when you get an influx of 10 players from countries like Spain, Brazil, Mexico every year, and they're coming just from a natural, you know, these guys play soccer from the age of three or four, and that's all they play. Mm-hmm. And not saying all of them are superstars, but, you know, it's, it's so difficult to deny that kind of talent. So it's, you see, some years are different than others. I mean, theres I would say most years is what, two or three impactful um, starting players that are international on the boys soccer team Uh, this year seems to be more in terms of you know the the, especially their entire attack basically so it's a it's it's a very complex question you know it's it's too bad because i feel like if a lot of if some of these international students stayed for two or three years that 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 it'd be much easier to build a cohesive team and this team could win a state championship with the amount of talent both from the international and from the local population but every year it's like throwing a new a new mix of ingredients in the blender and hoping you get some kind of nice shake at the end of the year um but it's nice to see you know like jeremiah gomez who we're going to talk to here shortly you know is one of the star players and
0: i would say he is the backbone of the team um this year yeah well you just said it we are now going to have uh, our interview for this episode with jeremiah gomez so we want to welcome in Jeremiah Gomez of the TA soccer team, one of the captains this year, uh, coming in for an interview. Uh, first, I want to ask you, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great, Zach. How are you? Uh, I'm doing
0: great. Uh, so the first question I got for you today is, uh, what is it like being one of the senior captains of the, the boys' varsity soccer team this year?
3: Um, to be honest with you, I think it's great. It, it's awesome. Um, being able to like, lead out the boys to a game, even when we win or we lose, uh, being able to like, represent the school at that kind of like... Holding that badge kinda means a lot. So I'm I'm really excited to to be able to lead this team.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh you guys started the season 0 and two, but right now on a four game uh win streak. How do you guys keep winning your games and keep that momentum going throughout your wins?
3: Um, like a lot of teams, motivation mm-hmm. really. Uh we have a lot of belief. We a lot of, we have a lot of guys that are skilled and can like, you know, perform what we need them to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, going into a game on Friday against Falmouth is gonna be An important one where we need to pick up a win and make it a five game one streak and just keep on going from there
0: yeah so i i know personally and i bet some people listening know that you are a midfielder so i got a little fun question for you okay if you had if you were forced to play either as a forward or a defensive player which one would you pick and why
3: okay uh interesting fact so from the age of i would say like four to like 10 i played as uh, a center back Really? And then, uh, so now I play center mid, and last year for the school, I played forward for about like 11 games. Really? So, but if I had to pick between the two, I'd have to stay forward because there's a lot less defensive work to do. Yeah. And I don't like tracking (laughs) backside.
0: That's nice. All right. So this is, you know, if anybody has watched our last broadcast, uh, Jerry had a beautiful um, free kick goal that went in the top corner. And I know you're very good at free kicks. I've played, you know, if people don't know, I've played with Jerry on a travel team before. So I want to ask you, how would you describe the perfect free kick or or taking the perfect free kick?
3: Um, To me, it's about like if I feel it. It's gonna go into the back of the net. Really? If I don't feel it, like uh, a game against Sanford, I had a free kick, pretty much right right on the edge of the box, and I was. It was raining. It was. It was cold. It was wet. And I was like, it's not going in, and it didn't go <laughs> in. So, but like against Kenny Bunk I scored two free kicks, but those ones, like I like, I knew they were gonna go in, and they did. So. Yeah, yeah
0: that's cool. Uh, looking forward to, for the rest of the season. Is there a certain game or maybe like uh, like a certain event that you're doing with your team that you're that you're looking forward to?
3: Oh, it has to be Gorham. Yep. They humiliated last year during the regular season, killed us 6-0. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had them in the playoffs and they beat us by a goal. And so, yeah, I'm just I want to go back there and like show them what we got. You know, it's a new yeah. year, brand new team. So yeah, yeah
0: it'll definitely uh, definitely be a good game. It will be. Yeah, well, that is gonna do it for the interview. you want to thank Jerry again for coming in for the interview. Thank you. We want to thank Jeremiah coming, for coming in for that interview. And uh, we'll wrap up the TA chalk which is looking at our streaming schedule uh, this Friday, September 23rd. We have a uh, boys' our game at home versus Falmouth at 4.30. And this weekend, we are still trying to figure out what um, we have going. I think uh, there is a girls' field hockey game slated up for around 7.15. I'm not sure who they're playing right off the top of my head. But we also may be going to Waterhouse Field, or as you were calling it the other day, Fenway Park. It's a little inside <laughs> joke there. But um, for a boys uh, football matchup, it just depends on whether or not we can get uh, internet or um, the, the permission to uh, to film there. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that. But definitely the boys' soccer game uh, on Friday, the 23rd, uh, versus Falmouth. That should be a good, good challenge for the boys. Yeah, it will. So we'll talk about some NFL now. We are two weeks into this season, and uh, I know every year is always different, but this one seemed a little bit more crazier than the last few. A lot of comebacks, uh, wins this week, uh, and some injuries as well, and some teams not playing as well as they should have. So we'll start it off real quick. I just want to ask, which comeback game uh, did you think was the best? So the three I put up here are the Dolphins coming back against the Ravens, the Cardinals coming back against the
1: Raiders, or the Jets beating the Browns. Which one do you think is? The well, best? first off, you say um, it, it looks a little bit crazier than other years. I don't know. I think the NFL is just awesome all the time. That's what people say. Oh, this draft is better than the last couple of years. Oh, this free agency is the best ever. I think the NFL is just awesome all the time that's just mm. how it he said works that about
2: the NBA though too remember do we have a fight about that on the air but yeah. how the NBA was the best basically the best of all the uh, yeah. time but anyway go
1: I, um, it depends on the season <laughs> I didn't want any of these three teams to win so I didn't I wasn't really a big fan of the comeback but the Dolphins comeback was definitely the most entertaining and I gotta give Tua his props I'm not ready to crown him as amazing after two weeks into the season but he's he's looked good and they've they've lived up to the hype so far McDaniels had a good start um, I'm still a little bit skeptical of this team going forward. I think there could be a second half collapse, but, um, it, they've still had a great start to the season and, uh, Patriots got a win, which is awesome. They really grinded one out in Pittsburgh. That's what you got to mm-hmm. do against a team that you're kind of evenly matched with. And I thought they played very well on both sides of the ball, um, so yeah and then Trey, Trey Lance gets hurt he's out for the season with a broken ankle and just like that Jimmy Garoppolo ever after everything that happened all summer is going to be the starter for this team I still don't understand why they traded up for Trey Lance when they have a Super Bowl ready team right now and let's say Jimmy G takes him deep into the playoffs this year what are they going to do next year bring Trey Lance back in and like they lost to the Bears last week it's it's just a very interesting yeah. scenario and I don't I'm pretty puzzled as to why kyle shanahan is doing what he's doing but we'll see how far jimmy g takes them it's really interesting the way that you phrase this question you're very optimistic because every other sports show that talks said
2: which which choke was worse not which comeback was best yeah (laughs) which choke was worst was by far the browns yep like you can't let that happen to the jets it it was something like 2500 games in that situation in the last like 50 years and every uh, up by two, up by thirteen points at the minute fifty to
0: go, and every team had won until until then. The the stat was what that if Nick Chubb wouldn't have gotten that touchdown yeah. and need yeah. the he ball, kneels, yeah, they would have won the game. So,
2: um, which which comeback was the best? I think it was I mean the Dolphins was impressive. It's definitely the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean because just watching the end of that game, it's like Kyler Murray was a cheat code. Like it just was like. I don't know. When they play like that, it's like, how do they ever not score? And it frustrates me because I'm not a huge Kyler Murray fan long-term. Yeah, I still don't either. think he's going to be a long-term NFL quarterback. But, like, it's like every fourth down, he's like, he just ran around. And, it, and mm-hmm. it's like a lot of people – see, that's why I don't think that was the worst choke because offensively maybe, like, the Raiders should have scored some more points or whatever. But, like, you watch those two plays that he made on the fourth down and on the two-point conversion, like, yeah. what can you do? He's so fast – you know, it was just ins- insane. So I would say that comeback was the best because it took more miraculous plays. Um, you know, because I, th- I feel like that was less of a choke and more of just a ridiculous comeback. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the Dolphins played obviously well, but the Ravens just like, the, you know, letting Tyreek kill, getting behind you is is, is is original sin. Uh, and obviously the, the the Browns just, you know, choking that one away. So I would say that the, that comeback was the best by the Cardinals. But well, I think... And I think the you know both the Ravens and the and the Raiders can can still rebound because yeah. mm-hmm. I think you know the Raiders especially because I, I think the Broncos look awful so I yeah. don't think I'm not as worried about them.
0: And, and the one thing I got to say to Cole is that um, I I disagree with the evenly matched part about the Pats for Steelers. I think they shouldn't have been evenly matched, especially with TJ Watt out. So I think the win isn't as impressive as some people are saying because it was so close, and I think the Patriots had a lot of chances to to, to take away with that game. I mean Pittsburgh's terrible. They Without aren't. T.J. Yeah. Watt and with that quarterback, they are horrible.
2: They are a bottom third team mm-hmm. in the league. So it's, it was kind of a no win for the Patriots. Like you had to win the game because of what, how you poorly played last week and what your schedule is like coming ahead. Yep. But they didn't look good. I mean, yeah, that, if not if not for that dumb kind of a dumb rule that you know that on Miles Bryant, you know, not, not being a safety um, yep. early on in the game, and then obviously Gunnar Roshewski just gifting away a touchdown. That's a totally different game. So I don't. I look at that Patriots one like okay, well I'm glad you didn't lose, but I think they're gonna get smoked on Sunday. Yeah against I mean, the Ravens I, and they're I, gonna
1: be one and three pretty quickly here. I see what you're saying, but it was loud and it was all doom and gloom around their organization the last week after the loss to the Dolphins. So just a win is good. But yeah, I do see what you're saying. We play the Ravens this week, who choked last week. So I'm sure they'll be motivated and ready to go. The biggest concern now is Mac. He looks terrible. Yeah, and I don't he does. know if it's
2: his fault or if it's you know this whole uncertainty about the offense. But he was one of the reasons they almost lost the game. You know, and, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's a second-year player. And it's only week two. But he's physically, he doesn't. I mean, he's skinnier. Everybody's saying that. But his his arm strength does not look improved. Like you need to take a big step. So he was never going to be the big physical guy, and you mentioned Trey Lance, and the reason that all these all these teams are getting rid of guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and and eventually guys like you know Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, and going for the home run balls of you know of guys like Mahomes that that kind of body type is because that's how they feel they can win long term in the NFL. Is that true? I don't know. I mean. Uh, Brady's an outlier obviously and and I'm not ready to put Burrow in that category yet saying like well they they went to a Super Bowl so you should get a quarterback like that I mean we we'll, we already seen this year it's not not obvious so um yeah it's 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 uh it's, it's tough being a Patriots fan this year and really kind of looking yeah. week by week and just trying to enjoy the games instead of being like, oh, wow, we got to win against Pittsburgh. Okay, well, it gets us in this. No, we're not going to win the division. That's, that's already over because the Bills look ridiculous. Oh, yeah. um, and the wild card is going to be lucky. I mean, we're going to have to really win some games that right now looks like we shouldn't.
0: Yeah. We'll and I'm going you. to the game on Sunday, so Are hopefully you? they keep it close. Nice. It's the only game I'm going to at Gillette this year. So, nice. well, we will uh, uh, keeping it with the NFL. I have a little little segment here. So I have uh, it's called Who's a Better Receiver, and so I'm going to name two receivers, and I want one sentence about which one like tell me which one you think is better and then one sentence as to why you think they're better so we'll start off with Justin Jefferson
1: or Jalen Waddell very easily Jefferson that that's the easiest one on the list it should be Jefferson or Jamar Chase I think that's a little bit closer but Jefferson's had better production with with Kirk Cousins and a defensive coach up until now and now he's got an offensive coach and he's going to explode even more uh, yeah Jeff- Justin Jefferson I mean waddle I mean a little incomplete we
2: don't know yet he's still a little younger but Jefferson seems like just seems like he can and, and I'm I'm with feeling not being that great of a you know threat anymore mm-hmm. and see Jefferson as the number one guy I've been
1: impressed so I'd say Justin Jefferson our next one is Tyreek Hill or Stephon Diggs. I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. I think the speed just breaks the game. Like that touchdown last year versus the Bills with a minute to go. Nobody else is scoring on that play. And Diggs has the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. And Diggs is great. But I think I think Tyreek Hill is the most unique receiver in the NFL by far. I'm going to go Diggs by a li- by
2: hair. I understand everything you just said. And I agree he is unique. That's, that's the thing about Hill. But if you go – just overall skills. What I see from Stefan Diggs is that's who I'd want on my team because Hill, he can, here's the thing. I think Hill has, has more boomer bust potential. Like he have, he can have unbelievable games, but we saw him, we've seen him against the Patriots. Most of his games, the last four or five years, the Patriots have been able to shut him down. Yep. There are ways that you can shut down Tyree Hill. Um, Especially double covering and keeping, you know, it's when you don't cover him. Now, the Bills' game, that was kind of a, that was crazy. But like you watch against the Dolphins, I mean, he literally just ran by the defense because they let him go. So, whereas I think Diggs is a little bit harder of a matchup to try to, to try to, um, try to get him down.
0: So I would say Diggs by a hair. I'd love to have either of them, though. Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, with you, Jeff, on that one. I think it is, that one's a close one, though. I think Diggs has a better connection with Allen than Hale does with Tua, although they just, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he
1: just started playing with Tua. Mm -hmm. But, Uh, The next one is A.J. Brown or Michael Pittman Jr.? So Michael Pittman Jr. doesn't look the part. Obviously, A.J. Brown is huge, and Pittman a little bit more skinny, but people need to give him credit. He's one of the best jump ball receivers in the NFL, and he's had some great production. But I feel like with Pittman, it's a lot of projecting. People are just kind of assuming that he's going to have a breakout year, and and he's been pretty good, but it's a lot more projecting with Pittman, and we've seen it with A.J. Brown, and Brown's been – Brown's just been a little bit better. I'm not ready to crown Pittman as better than A.J. Brown yet, and um, I love Pittman. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. He's got a great YouTube channel, but um, A.J. Brown's better. I just I'm gonna have to Brown because I don't really know much about Pittman. Honestly, really? the only time I've ever really been
2: exposed yeah. to him is on fantasy. Like That's when I played him in fantasy. Like now, AJ, But but the problem is I had AJ Brown last year and he was absolutely atrocious on my fantasy team. So I'm, I'm tempted to say Pittman just out of spite. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brown,
1: I mean, yeah, I, I think it's incomplete for me. I don't, I can't really say until I see Pittman a little bit. That's more. That's the thing. AJ Brown's just a little bit better known. Pittman's kind of an unknown around the NFL. If you're not a huge fan, yeah, I know he plays for. But I, if you walked in the door and right I wouldn't know what he looked like, yeah. I think, I think Brown had a good
0: uh, first two weeks with, with uh, He could with, be, yeah. I hurts. mean, it, I think Brown has showed he's got the skills. It's a matter of can he be consistent about it. Yeah. And the last one, I, I tried to save the hardest one for the last one, um,
1: Cooper Cup uh, or Devontae Adams? This one's obviously close, and I think a lot of people would disagree, but I'm going to go with Devontae Adams because I think Cooper Cup is a little bit more scheme-dependent with Sean McVay, whereas Devontae Adams was unbelievable in Green Bay, and then he's already off to a good start with the Raiders. Uh, Cooper Cup, he... Didn't have a great like he wasn't a superstar until last year and I think obviously he's unbelievable but a little bit scheme dependent I think if Cooper Cup goes to the Raiders he's not as good as Devonte Adams Adams is a better pure route runner better catcher of the football just slightly Adams but obviously Cup is unbelievable I'm gonna go slightly Cup again Adams is is a stud
2: but um oh, that's a really tough that's a really tough choice I don't know I, I just feel like Cup be a little more dynamic Adams is Good, I mean, obviously really good on the jump ball um, but we've seen already this year that he can again he's he can be limited a little bit and he had Aaron it's tough because he had Aaron Rodgers one of the best quarterbacks
0: of all time for a few years so very tough I'll go slightly Cup okay. slightly I'm with Cole I think Devontae Adams just slightly but it is both really good i think we should just say both of those guys are really good yeah yeah and we'll finish up uh, this episode with our first pick the winners week i know last year jeff you you pulled it out the win out in the the clutch yep in the clutch but uh, the first matchup i have uh for this week is the bills uh at the miami dolphins bills bills by
2: 21 I say they're Bills. a juggernaut. They might go undefeated this year. Oh yeah, I say sure. I say
0: Bills. But I don't know if I'll say about twenty. Wins. They are so. Where's good. it at? Is that Miami? It's at Miami. It's still Bills. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They're so good. Uh, the next one I have here is the the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Los Angeles Chargers. But now remember. Herbert may or may not play, and even if he does, he may not be in full health. Yeah, you know, the Chargers may have the best roster in the NFL. I'm going with the Chargers. I'm gonna sure. go with
2: the Chargers as well. Um, even
0: though you know Jacksonville look decent, I don't know if it was how good
2: they were or just how bad the Colts are in the end. Frank Reich could be fired this this season.
0: I'm, I'm gonna stick with Chargers. I was hoping I could get one. Of you two to pick Jackson. Eh, not yet, not yet. Uh, then we have the Rams at the Cardinals. Um, give me the Rams. I'm gonna go Cardinals. I think the Rams
2: have some fatal flaws. Yeah, they I almost don't. blew it against Atlanta, and they had no reason to. I think that that Super Bowl hangover thing is is real. You know, I think I think they'll be good, yeah. but I think the Cardinals and I don't and I think the Cardinals, as usual, are gonna peak early on. Yep. I think they'll they'll be buoyed by that win and
0: the fact they're playing at home. I'll give them that. Um, not for the division, but for for today, I'll go I'll yeah. go Cards. I'm gonna go Cardinals as well. And the last one, I I try to pick one that I think no one really cares about. Uh, the Cowboys at the Giants g Man. cowboys yeah the
2: cowboys got lucky last week g-men dayball he's got that team i don't think they're great but
1: i think that i think g-men in a t- very typical like 17 14 nfc east matchup yeah i i think things might be too good to be true for the giants i i think they're too not good enough to start off three you i think cooper rush and cowboys <laughs> by
2: the way do you see this quick thing as we finish up did you see stupid um the stupid quote by beckham Otto Beckham says he'll, come back to the, he'll consider come back to the Giants if they bench Daniel Jones or release him. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. difficult.
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to go Giants, and I just can't believe that I, I think that they're going to go 3-0 to start a season. Yeah. But They'll be the biggest fraud 3-0 team in the history of the oh, NFL, sure. but yes. good for them. Yep. All right. Well, that, uh, those are some, some, good, uh, some good picks for the first week, and that's going to do it for the 30th episode of Trojan Talk. I want to thank you all for watching, and we will see you all next week.